The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Ramen Baka. This is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Welcome to The Ramen Baka. I'm your host, Andro Harosan, and today I have a very special guest, the creator and director of the anime, The Gun Retard. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Chinko Kusoyama. How are you today, my friend? Andaru, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm extremely excited to be Hi. on your show. Hi. Uh, to my Japanese listeners, ni hao. Ah, very good. Yes. Now, you are um, an icon in this industry to fans like me, like otaku such as myself. It's such a pleasure to have someone of your status. Um, you are obviously the creator of The Gun Retard, um, which in Japan, can you tell us a little bit about what that means? I know it's not literally the same. Um, it is a rough translation. I have gotten many angry letters from American fans about the name. Right. Um, but if you look at the word in Japanese, it means something more akin to the gun slut or the gun dipshit. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yes. And I see today, um, well, I am. We were both supposed to be wearing kimonos. While we are in the studio today, I am, but I see that you are, what is, what are you wearing? Is that a dashiki? I believe it is a dashiki, yes. Um, I have a very ethnic wardrobe, very um, multitude of colors and, and fabrics, and I I thought it was a kimono, and I would like to apologize, because a kimono is typically not worn with pants, and I am not wearing pants, and I did not realize it till I am out the door, and I am sorry. Well, I mean, I can forgive you there. I well, I'm, I am myself wearing a kimono, a uh, traditional Japanese attire. Um, I will say, underneath it, I am wearing a Mike Bibby jersey, a King's jersey, and I also am not wearing anything. I'm not even underwear under it, just the jersey. So, oh, okay. Um, Anyway, moving on. So, The Gun Retard. It's going into its 28th season, or series, if you prefer. Let's talk a little bit about the origin of this. Um, let's start at the beginning, if you will. When you were growing up, what inspired you? Well, the very first anime that I watched was this delightful romp featuring Bugs Bunny going to Japan. And Bugs Bunny was in Japan, and all the Japanese men were made fools of by Bugs Bunny. And they had big teeth and big glasses, and everybody was having, you know, a general good time. Um, it was a bit dated. I believe it was World War II era. But nonetheless, I found myself immediately oh, um inspired. Well, I'd like to apologize personally from me uh, for World War II. Um, it is good to hear that. I am glad that you are apologizing for it. And I am awaiting also a further apology on Nagasaki and the other one. Well, you know, um, from the bottom of my heart, how I feel about that. And um, anyway, moving along. Uh, so Looney Tunes really was probably... It was definitely the first anime. The first anime. Right, you have Bugs Bunny, who is just the, you know, the typical trope of the sly, ever confident. Um, he was just essentially Goku, character. the first iteration of Goku. And when you look at Goku in Dragon Ball Z, one of the world's foremost animes, um, you will notice that oftentimes Goku will repeat things Bugs Bunny has done in order to defeat his enemies, and that's just good, clean anime writing. Um, often. There is in season four, I believe this is a cell saga, where Goku dresses up like a woman and sticks his leg out of a bush in order to goad an attacker to let his guard down. Um, this is just almost 
DNA-like evidence of tracing back to the roots of anime, which is, of course, Looney Tunes and Foghorn uh, Leghorno. Well, Blot Foghorn Leghorn was the bastard boyfriend style character, to be sure. He f- was the first of many, to be sure, um, in all of he anime. He was essentially the inspiration also for the just the idiot from Osaka trope. Uh, well, I thought, always thought accent, myself that... Um, let him look like the prototypical fool. I always thought of Daffy Duck as maybe the idiot from Osaka, but, you know, um, everyone has their own opinion. I would like to say that I believe that um, something like Neon Genesis Evangelion wouldn't exist without Wile E. Coyote. I mean, the Roadrunner represented self-actualization, and Wile E. Coyote was always chasing that. And... Having a giant acme anvil falling onto his head and a bump growing and protruding out of his fur, you wouldn't have anything like Eva without that. It's, he's a classic, you know, even salaryman trope of a guy who goes out and gets his lunch pail, and every day he goes to work, and he's completely dead on the inside, experiencing total wage a slave. harsh form of hanui. Well, I'd like to ask you, um, Chinko, how did you come up with this series? How did you decide that you wanted to make The Gun Retard? Were you very young, or did this come to you in your adult age? Um, The Gun Retard was an idea I've had since I was a teenage boy, essentially. I was extremely interested in anime in the post-Looney Tunes era, and... I was thinking about puberty. Um, As you can Mm. see, most anime, I would say about 80% of anime is inspired by puberty. And I had a particularly uh, virulent, virulent uh, puberty. It was, it was not good. The doctor, he was very worried. Um, So when I suffered during my intense puberty, um, I began to formulate myself kind of in the same way that Bugbear manifests in the show. Well, Bugbear, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about who that is? Uh, Well, I'll give you a plot of, I'll give you a basic rundown of who the main character is. Synopsis. Of course, there is the titular gun retard, Satoshi. Now, Satoshi is a gunslinger who roams the countryside hoping to eliminate nerds. And he is kind of a mysterious figure where you don't always know his past. And he is a fan of chaos and destruction, which is very unsettling for an analytical, shy type of character like Bugbear is, who is a teenage orc just struggling to get through high school. All right. And then you have... um, uh, a fan favorite, Hamiko, who is oh, Bugbear's neighbor. Bugbear's neighbor, an extremely sexy, well endowed, um, enticing, well endowed, voluptuous fifteen-year-old, and she is, you know, um, super horny for Bugbear and is always trying to talk to him, but he's so shy that it becomes hard. And of course, another fan favorite, uh, Rochu which is a talking cockroach about the size of a small dog. And everyone knows Rochu. He's cute. He's fun. He's a little cockroach. He's always lifting up women's skirts, and he's obsessed with beer. He's always walking upright, and he has some wisecrack joke, even when they're in the tightest of situations. Just a comedy of relief. He, he never takes anything seriously. No. Well, Rochu you gotta have a mascot. Does. Now, Rochu also is known for his extreme horniness. Um, similar, but even more horny than Satoshi. And Rochu um, has, is, is known by fans of the show that um, in situations where he's horny, his testicles descend out of his body and they get the little um, sweat teardrop forehead mark 
over them and you see them a kind of red pulsation. And usually when that happens, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. People love that. People love it when Rochu gets horny. Rochu is known in our otaku community or the Japanese community as hentai. Just a little pervert, if you will. Um, yes, he is definitely a little pervert. Um, you know, if we have characters like Satoshi, who are only a fan of, you know, a majorly a fan of wanton destruction, and, you know, Bugbear, who's just a little orc boy who wants to become a computer programmer. He doesn't want this adventure that Satoshi has chosen for him. You have to have somebody who is going to be consistently sexually harassing women, or it's just not anime. Despite Bugbear's uh, immense size, strength, just his muscular um, structure and potential, he's just really this big teddy bear who wants just a normal life. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to impede on anyone. He doesn't want to. Um, bother women he want he would love a girlfriend but he's too shy to talk about it and i think it's something that a lot of us related to when going through puberty as uh an adolescent i know you yourself were known for your massive pituitary problem Mm -hmm. the doctors were just appalled at your immense size you're about 11 years old when you started and about six six i was the first diagnosed case of uh mega acne vulgaris i uh, for lack of a better words, I became more zit than human. And it was horrible. You know, it was horrible for me. And a lot of times I delved into the world of manga and anime. Well, you could definitely see that come out in Bugbear's everyday life. So let's talk a little bit more about um, some of those things that happen within the show. I know Many people who listen to this have seen the show. It's been a staple for about four years, going into its 28th season. And let's just hear a little bit from the words of the creator himself, if you will. Um, I will give you a general synopsis of how the series starts. Um, essentially, you starts with focusing on Bugbear. He is a regular teenage orc with horrible acne problems and he's just going every day to Tokyo high school and doing his math at homework. And he's only 13, but he's already thinking about university and exams and careers. And he takes his academics extremely seriously Uh, because he is an orc and because he has horrible acne, he gets a lot of attention from students that is negative so he's getting bullied one day, and keep in mind, Bugbear is about six foot eight, four hundred pounds, um, and a bunch of freshman Japanese boys start harassing him and corner him. Now they are about four feet tall, and he is still scared because he's just so shy and he doesn't know what to do. And out of nowhere, as they are about to strike him, three bullets go through their brain, and Bugbear is shocked. And what do you see standing there? That perfect shot, that silhouette that we all remember. That cool, I mean, we, Satoshi is iconic for his uniform as the gun retard. That black leather trench coat flared at the bottom with the, with the, the, the tie, the waist tie thing just flapping in the wind and wearing that cowboy style poncho, you know, and his leather black pants, wears it even if it's 90 degrees out there, even if he's pouring sweat. And he tips his fedora-style hat and looks out under it, and Bugbear strains to look at him. And he goes, looks like you could use a hand. And And Bugbear just can look at him and just go, and Bugbear tries to flee the scene. Doesn't know who this mysterious man is or how he would save them. All he knows is that three boys were just shot in the head. Uh, getting home, his his grandfather um, asks him what is wrong. Oh. Uh, Bugbear, Bugbear lives with his grandfather. He's an old retired warrior, extremely horny. He's only about two feet tall. 
He's only about two feet tall. He's always wearing that kind of sushi chef outfit with the rising sun headband. And he, and he's like, you look afraid, bugbear. And he said, uh, it was nothing because, you know, he's not good at expressing himself. And then who shows up later that night? It's the gun retard. Comes into the boy's window and says, you're my apprentice now. And he said, apprentice? What does that mean? I just want to get a nice salary so I, I can honor, you know, my family. And then on from time and time again, the series would go with um, Bugbear going to school and getting dragged out of school against his will by the gun retard who takes him on another adventure. He's always yelling at him, nonsense. Do you really want to just be another accountant nerd or do you want to kick ass and have adventures, bro? And or as we'd say, Eineke. Eineke. Right. Um, he was definitely kind of resistant towards that lifestyle that um, Satoshi was pushing him towards. And you can see it later on as the series develops when he tries to give him guns and he tries to get him other things and he puts him in these extremely dangerous situations so a 13-year-old boy should be. Um, the overarching quest of the gun retard, uh, as I said earlier, is to destroy nerds. The anime is set in a fictional uh, version of the future where in 2017 or 2014 when the series started, um, there was a, a series of nerd-related natural disasters a black hole that was created at the Large Hadron Collider destroyed most of Europe, and nuclear nuclear uh, reactors were detonating and creating huge swaths of radioactive thing. And one of the only safe areas left was Japan. And you started seeing an a, a, a more common scientists making giant monsters and giant robots that would attach to the countryside. So in response to this, many vigilantes declared that nerds were the problem and gun retard is the last one left because nerds are so powerful. So we know that, you know, he's still, I hate to spoil it for you guys. If you're 27 seasons in, he still hasn't caught his main villain, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is, is, um, the main antagonist, he's constantly creating robots and monsters and doing things with science that he shouldn't do. And, you know, it's been an eternal hunt. Well, you have all this stuff going on with Satoshi dragging Bugbear out on these things. But there's always a little bit of... Every now and then you get a little bit of just a sliver of humanity out of him. I mean, he is adventurous. He's uh, belligerent. He's, you know, pretty dangerous. And there's always a, a path of destruction follows him wherever he goes. But he does have a heart, and it comes out when Bugbear is in need of it. So while he may be this hardened, cool type, he has a little bit of a soft spot, and that reflects through um, when they're out, when they're out moving about and fighting these things. Despite it's against Bugbear's will, of course, but you know he always appears at the right time. It seems. Right, and Satoshi takes a lot of pride in his low IQ because he doesn't like nerds. So he's always waving around that IQ test he did on the internet that said 75. And he's like, you don't got to worry about nothing from me. It's the nerds screwing everything up. I got a 75. Is that good? I don't even know if that's good. I'm so dumb. And then usually you see Bugbear, who values intelligence, um, start to get the you know checkerboard red marks on his forehead. And the black, especially when he sees our um, female lead. Oh yes, Himiko. Yes, and the relationship between Himiko and Bugbear has just, you know, people have been wanting that for years now. And um, the introduction in the fifteenth season of the other woman, the blue-haired cyborg Kikimo, Kikimo, mm. you know starts talking to Bugbear, and Bugbear feels more at ease with her because she's a machine, and he plays a lot of video games, and he thinks it's essentially the same thing, to talk she's to a, a robot. She's a little more docile. Right, she's, she's a, a little, little more, more docile calm. than Himiko, who is known to raise her hands in anger. Well, she's as soon aggressive. as Himiko found out about Kikimo, well, fireworks happened inevitably. And then after that episode, a lot of um, emails I received of just lesbian porn. Uh, hente, you know. Oh, yes, hentai. Say, say oh. what you want about my fans, but they 
are I have a dedicated hentai community. Hi. And it, so it, it and they are sending me things and they're sending me image macros of Ugu and they're always, you know They're very moey. Right. And you know, people are always wondering, you know, when's uh when's Bugbear gonna hit that, people say. And Has, can he see how kawaii she is? I think and this is something that, you know, will not go in the show. But in my head I picture Bugbear as like myself, somewhat of an asexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has all the opportunities in the world to copulate with these big, tremendously big-breasted women. And I will say this as a side real quick, too. Um, when I was originally writing the show, um, they were not big-breasted. Really? And they would not let me put that on TV. I had to keep submitting reshoots. And every single time, I drew the breasts bigger and bigger and bigger. And they kept saying, more, more, more. And just these... It took a while. It, I, it was in considered production hell. Because essentially, there was no way I could make these breasts any bigger. You know? Now, I always got the idea that Bugbear wasn't asexual, but he's very confused. He's going through puberty. He has all these feelings... And all these emotions that are just like fire, they're just bubbling up within him. He doesn't know how to release them. And a little bit like, I would say, the gun retard is kind of this puberty that keeps returning and bugging him in his head. And it's like he knows he wants to just bust all over the place. But he doesn't know how to say it. He doesn't know how to feel that. He doesn't know how to feel that. I mean, what you're looking at essentially is a boy that is, you know, he's an orc that goes to Tokyo High School and and despite every day, despite them wearing uniforms, he wears he's allowed to wear jeans because they fit him better than the typical uniforms for cuz he's just too big. He's too big for the pants that they provide. So what can so he wears a nice boot cut jean mm-hmm. in order to kind of fit in. He's got his little, you know, carpenter's belt on his boot cut jeans, and then he wears, you know, just the regular polo shirt that is worn at Tokyo Senior High. Well, I remember uh, in um, Home of the Dragons season four, episode know. thirteen, when he defeats the captain of the Kendo team, and he's wearing. Nothing but those bootcut jeans, and he's shirtless, and he just destroys him without even trying. He just wanted to get home on time to get his homework done. Yeah, and the bully was holding him up, and after that episode, you see a little bit of growth in him because he starts to get a little confidence. Confidence that is immediately stripped away as he gets home, and Hamiko is upset with him for coming home so late when she was waiting there. So she pulls out a large frying pan and hits him in the head, causing a large red welt to rise up, which is my nod to Wiley Coyote. She's screaming, Baka, Baka, Baka. And right. Just hammering and him. And every his time. Tongue is out and his little birds tweeting around his head. I had to reshoot that scene as well because originally, you know, she's just wearing, you know, pants and a shirt and is just hitting him with the thing but you know it slowly had to keep changing till at the end of it she was wearing a school schoolgirl uniform and pigtails and then i tried submitting that and they said no when she raises up the frying pan to hit bugbear you need to have her skirt go up so we can see her panties mm-hmm. and i said she's 15 don't you guys think that's wrong and they laughed in my face and then the grandfather, he comes to the room. He's been woken up. Him and Rochu come in, and Rochu's rubbing his eyes, and they're going, what's going on in here? And, um, you know, she's now somehow in a maid outfit, or a maido. Right. And she's, you know... Much to the delight of Rochu. Her, her, eyelid, her, her eyelashes at him, like, fluttering them, and just, oh, nothing, Grandpa. And, 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 and Grandpa swoons, and you see those big 
red cockroach testicles descend, and you see and actually Bugbear is just over there grumbling. He's just brooding with his side eyeing her and Grandpa and Rochu going. And, mm. and and Rochu, when he sees her fluttering those eyelashes and those testicles descend, you see a moment of pause in his face, and you see. <laughs> All of a sudden, those testicles start throbbing with veins. It's almost and, like it's borderline a hentai. Um, I mean, you cannot talk. Uh, look at the subject matter. We're talking about puberty. You cannot have right a discussion, a frank discussion on puberty, without having women in French maid outfits. 15-year-old right. girls and women in French maid outfit. I'm sorry. That's very common as well in their um, pornography industry, um, which I happen to I happen to like it a little bit more, um, Japanese porno, that is, because they blur, they blur out the penis, which is a vile you know thing. Is. It's just it's too gay to look at that. It's a vile thing. It's a ridiculous-looking instrument. I want nothing to do with it. So once again, the great Nippon wins again, doing things right. As usual. I am currently um, bowing to you like a samurai. Me as well. Uh, thank you. Go Menasai. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong thing to say. I'm I'm still studying. I am a student of your culture, as it will. So could you tell me a little bit about um, Japan and um, your parents and where you come from? Well, my mother was a war bride. Really? That met my father during World War II. Which I'm very sorry um, for, by the way. Go menasai. That's thank you again. Every time you say it, it it gets even sweeter and sweeter. It's almost like it never happened. And my mother and my father married. My mother is named uh, Jennifer, and my father is named Ichiro. And so your mother is a white woman. My mother is a white blonde woman who was living in Japan uh, at the time. She Oh, I thought you said she was a war bride. Um, she was a war bride, yes. Here. She was living in Japan during World War II, and my father, Ichiro, was a is a Japanese man Ichiro. serving in the US Army. And they and they were trying to send him to Germany. He said, No way, Jose. Send me to Nippon. I'm going home, baby. He kept saying that. He kept saying that in the U.S. Army. I'm going home, baby. And he had a heavy American accent. He kind of sounded like Woody Allen. Right. Some people say. And he was from Hooten Holler, Missouri. He lived in Hooten Holler his whole life. He was a good old boy. You know, as soon as he came back out of war, he was wearing those uh, bib overalls, um, one button unbuttoned with a piece of straw in his mouth, you know, looking at that old Grand Canyon sky. Boy, howdy. And uh, so he he went. He you, was you're not, in. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you telling me you you did not grow up here in Japan? Uh, no, I grew up in Hooten Holler, Missouri. Um, I was always a big fan of anime, and my father Ichiro um, made sure I knew where I came from, which was Hooten Holler, Missouri. And so my my mother, uh, Jennifer, she moved to Japan. Um, when she was 16 years old by herself and blonde haired, oh, so blue eyed, an otaku herself. Right. Eh? And she is, you know, thoroughly Japanese. She only wears kimonos. Very, 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 you know, proud of the island of Japan. And she met my father, who was an American uh, GI of Japanese ethnicity. Mm hmm. And they moved back to Hoot and Holler. And it was extremely weird for my mother, Jennifer, to adapt to these crazy customs of a new country. Um, I remember reading her journal, you know, and she would talk about, you know, no, all these houses are so dirty. No one takes their shoes off when they go inside. Where? Why can't I get any good sushi around here? <laughs> why aren't the walls made of rice paper? You know, things like that. Why? You know, she would hang all this rice paper up, even though the walls were drywall, just to feel at home. And you know, at many times, my father Ichiro, um, you know, I've discussed this before at length. He was a drinker, and he would fall straight through those rice paper walls and say, I don't know what you got all this garbage here for. Well, I can say myself, um, I have now lived in Japan for seven years. 
excuse me, but when I visit my family, my um, the graves of my ancestors and pray to them in Columbus, Ohio, and stay with my parents, um, you know, even I'm so immersed in the in this culture that I'll even read regular American books backwards just because that's what I'm used to. And now I feel that's the proper way to read them. I, I, I can see that. Um, make a lot of good points there. I think with uh, a, adapting to a new culture, I've lived in Japan for 10 years now. Hi. Um, I became Shinto when I came over here as a nod to my ancestors. And my father, Ichiro, is so ashamed and so mad that I moved to Japan that he does not speak with me anymore. He said, I didn't raise, he was Baptist. Ichiro was Baptist. And he said, I didn't raise no Japanese love and man. And I said, Ichiro, you're Japanese. And he said, I'm American, baby. And then he sped off on a four-wheeler. Well, now, um, we're so, we're discussing this right now, the Japanese culture and our love of it. And um, many otaku have uh, a staple in their home. Um, I'm speaking of the Dakimakura which for the lay persons listening to this is a body pillow, an anime body pillow. A great, a great tradition, a must have. And I know you, we were speaking when you came to my studio, when we were in Your my home, if you will, you came in and we both sat down on the floor and we enjoyed some nice ramen noodles and some tea and some, and, and we some practiced sushi. a little Taekwondo. Yes. And a lot of, uh, kung fu um and we shot off chinese fireworks and we we were both wearing our rice our rice farmer hats and you're telling me about how you own some body pillows and um i didn't ask you which which ones you had um but there's a certain lady um you know she has great food that we were both a fan of but we didn't say um i I guess we could just say on three, what we that body pillow is of. Um, if that's fine with you. All right. All right. I'm ready when you are. All right. One, two, three. The, the Wendy's, Wendy's girl. girl. Yep. Right. Yes. Gorgeous. Um, the Wendy's anime, um, even though it is not a show, I almost consider it a manga because you can see a story in the Wendy's logo. Um, There's been a can... lot of different incarcerations of her. If that's right. Right. And... Just red no, hair. Which, Sorry, I'm not. I'm losing my English here. Well, you know, it's the first thing to go once you move. Your body can't even hold two languages at once, some Hi. people say. Oh, arigato. Um, red hair, which typically, I like to imagine this, you know, just red hair in anime typically means fiery personality, angry, um, fights for what they believe in and sometimes i like to imagine that like the genki girl that's what we normally call her that hyperactive you know right. runs everywhere and the, Wendy's is the ultimate genki girl that is just creating trouble creating hamburgers making the hamburgers square it's just something i like to sit back and imagine when i'm sitting there cuddling with my body pillow well, you also had another another couple of body pillows that you spoke to me about. That was the ones you did tell me about. And would you like to talk about those a little bit? Oh, of course. Um, now, this is, I assure you, nothing sexual. Um, part of the reason why I hesitated to talk about this a little bit is because, you know, a lot of people want to know the real person behind the gun retard. And I have two gigantic seven-foot body pillows that flank both sides of my bed of those cool, cool albino twins from the Matrix. I mm. mean, protectors, cool, white dreadlocks, um, just white leather trench coats. And, you know, sometimes if I can't sleep in the middle of the night, I will just look over and look past the Wendy that I am currently cuddling and I'll see those Matrix cool sunglasses, those stupid cool twins from the Matrix, and they'll be on both sides of my twin bed, and I will just feel protected. Well, the interesting thing is, is that the um, the Wachowski brothers at the time, I'm not being offensive here, uh, were inspired to create the Matrix based on anime. 
I mean, they make those albino twins do plenty of martial arts. They're shooting those guns, just like the gun retard. And you can say a lot of that in your show. And when they get steamed, you could also tell most people didn't notice this. I noticed this because I am an anime creator. But when the albino Matrix twins say, we are getting annoyed. Yes, we are. You can see that steam will start coming out of their ears a little bit, just a little bit. And I, and I was sitting there in the theater and I nodded at the screen and I know that they knew I was nodding somehow. Well, you see that in your... You use that same steam effect in your anime. Um, when the gun retard is annoyed with Bugbear or his um, female sidekick, he will, you know, steam and stomp his feet. But there's also actual aggression in him. When he's fighting, when he's fighting an enemy and the enemy is beating him up and he's kicking him and he doesn't know how powerful he is at all. And then he gives him a break, and he says, like, Well, have you given up, Gunslinger? And all he's doing, all Satoshi's doing, is looking down. And there's a dark shadow over his eyes. You can't see his eyes. And he grins, and you see the sharp teeth showing. And he goes, like, Heh, heh, heh. You just don't get it, do you? And he starts screaming. And he says, I'm sick of you hurting my friends. And then he just goes crazy, and he kills everybody. Right, and, and a lot of times you'll see that dark, you know, we do kind of portray Satoshi, the gun retard, as a bit of a fool sometimes. He is dim-witted, he is horny at the inappropriate time towards the most inappropriate person, and we portray him as a, as a fool, but that is cheapens his true dark side that we do show sometimes that he He's will passionate. get so angry. Um, I believe you'll remember in season eight when he was fighting Daisuko, who was the five-year-old boy who created a monster that was his best friend, but the monster was too strong and ate all the nuclear radiation. And then he decided to ruin um, Bugbear Spring Formal. And Bugbear oh, had yes. just, you know, asked Kakimo if she wanted to go, but then uh, Hamiko came in while he was doing it, so he stopped because he was afraid of getting hit by that frying pan they let her carry around everywhere. And so when Daisuko is fighting him, you'll see his gun start to change because he's getting so mad because he knew how important this spring formal was to Bugbear. And he goes into what he calls... Uh, it's translated in the U.S. It does not mean this. It's translated as retard mode. And his guns start shaking. And they, or retard spree, right. I believe it said uh, in the footnotes of the subtitles. The real translation means almost like, um, it means like sexy party mode is kind of what it means more. Oh. But, um, you know, it's translated to American as retard. And when he goes into that mode, those guns start shaking and they turn into two big bazookas, right? They just transform into bazookas. And now instead of having a six shooter, he is shooting, he is, uh, he has bazookas akimbo blasting down on Daisuko who instantly gets obliterated and the, par the spring formal saved, but you know, Bugbear is still disappointed because Himiko, um, assumes something's up and just starts beating him with that frying pan and everyone laughs and even Rochu's at the party and he's walking around and this is kind of the comic relief at the end of a big climax when a boss is beaten you have to have some you know comic relief and and Rochu is walking around wearing shoes for the first time with mirrors uh, attached to his shoes and he's looking up all the skirts of the high school children and everyone claps and loves it. And, you know, that's why Rochu's everyone's favorite. And, you know, after that, he chugs a beer and the episode ends. And that's, I think that's, um, that kind of, you know, one-off episode is one of my favorite things about the show. You know, the overline arc is great. The central story is incredible. Um, but those one-offs are, some of my absolute favorite parts. A lot of people don't like them. I'm sorry to say. Um, a lot of us do like them. But there are people who just they just say, you know, they don't appreciate a good thing. And they just say it's all filler. But I love the episode where they all go to the beach. And they run into that big, buff, bully lifeguard. Who has, like, a disgusting amount of sunblock on his nose. And he's just got sunglasses. And he's all cocky and hitting on the girls. 
and um, you know the entire time Rochu and grandfather are just mega horny for all Her and Hog yeah, the bikini girls everywhere and um, they keep trying to like peep at them and um, like untie their bikinis tops and then uh, you know the girls just like smack uh, Rochu's them. classic move they smack them into the Rochu's ocean Rochu's classic move during that is when when women are um, sunbathing and they will undo their their tops the strings of their tops so they don't get tan right. lines uh, Rochu's main move is he gets a he gets a bucket of cold water and he splashes them on the back. So they jump up in shock and then he sees everything. And they all start screaming, a bug, a bug. And then they try to, and then they chase him around the beach. And, right. And he's, ah, Rochu. And everybody laughs. And, you know, they finally catch him. But then they realize, and they're holding him up, all four of them. And then they realize that their breasts are out and they drop him and immediately cover up. And he starts, you know, bending over laughing. And then he, you know, they hit him with a frying pan and they hit him and he flies all the way into the sky and just becomes a glimmer or the the classic episode where they take the field trip to the amusement park and uh satoshi decides to tag along despite being a, a young man in his early 20s i would say is that correct uh, yes, Satoshi, I would say, is around 26, 27. Um, kind of a commentary on the difficulties of finding a job in modern day Tokyo. And they, they are at this amusement park, and they, they face this horrible clown who decides that he wants to steal teenagers and high schoolers to work for him in this amusement park. And uh, the gun retard, of course, decides to take him on. He's in the fun house and he's shooting at mirrors. And then a bullet ricochets and nails him in his butt and just makes him even more angry at this clown. Right. Um, you'll notice that that episode shows a lot of the growth between Bugbear and Hamiko because Hamiko gets kidnapped. And the whole time before that, he's talking about, leave me alone, Hamiko. And Hamiko is just like shaking her breasts in front of him. And he gets so red and shy. And he's like, he puts his notebook over his crotch and he says, I have to go. And he just goes, hides from her. But he just wanted her gone. And then when she gets kidnapped, that's the first time, you know, it took to, you know, he's been wanting, not wanting to fight. But in season nine, that's the first time Bugbear shoots and kills somebody. And that was a, that was a pivotal moment. Um, because he realized that he actually does care about her in a way. He doesn't know how to say it or show it, but he definitely wants to do her. And at the end right. of the episode, when she's she herself, she stops being so sondere towards him, acting like she doesn't really want to, you know, fuck him. Um, she actually opens up and shows her vulnerable side and she gives him a little kiss on the cheek and he blushes and he goes, ah! and it's just a and, really sweet moment. And Satoshi is just smiling at him because he, he feels like he's helping Bugbear become a man. Him and Rochu are because, behind her just giving a thumbs up going, yeah. And Rochu, you know, Rochu's just doing the Rochu thing at the amusement park, just chugging beer after beer and asking for more beer and stealing beer and looking at women's vomiting off of the roller coasters right and uh you know he kidnaps a small child to sit on his shoulder to be tall enough to get into the ride and everybody loves that comic relief but you know it's a very serious episode because when bugbear finally takes that gun and finds the clown he shows a side that not even satoshi was aware of where he sticks that gun straight down that clown's mouth and says, where's the girl? And he's shaking because the clown, this was just a game uh, to get rich quick for him to kidnap some women and have them work. And he just unloads a full clip that just pushes the spine out of the body. And it's extremely bloody and it's extremely gruesome. And, you know, I think a little bit of the orc inside Bugbear comes alive because after he's, dead he keeps just pounding him and pounding him and satoshi's just smiling screaming you fucking bastard you fucking bastard where is she and uh you know a lot of people told me that that episode um was their favorite one to jerk off to well um uh 
well, anyway, uh, moving along. Was there anything else you would like to speak today while you have this platform? Um, would you like to tell the fans anything or? Um, I think that I would like to be thankful to the fans for tuning in for every 27 season that we've had or series. If you prefer, I would like to say that my second anime, I'm not promising anything, but might be in the works now. And I hope you also enjoy that. It is going to be called um, uh, Misery Test Kitchen, and it is about an extremely horny chef who is cooking women, but not like cooking them to eat them. Like he can take a bunch of flour and stuff, and he makes a woman. And oh. I did not, I did not want to make this anime. I had a different idea that was also about puberty, and they shot me down and gave me a bunch of money, and they said they want me to create just. Big, big-breasted women that are just childish and and mean, and they have to have big breasts, and they have and to made be, costumes, right? And you have to walk costumes. in on them while they're changing, and they get so mad, and then the main character gets either really horny or blushes. It doesn't matter, and then you know everyone sends me a letter and tells me how much they like my big-breasted women, and they buy little figures of it to put on their desk which uh, is normal it's a normal thing to do it's a normal thing it's... to have just children with big breasts i i think that's the important thing that people really resonate with anime that western shows haven't been able to get because if you have a 15 year old girl that's highly sexualized in a western show let's say in according to jim you might be run off of TV. They'll be very upset with it. If you have a big-breasted 15-year-old maid whose underwear is constantly showing on According to Jim, which um, in Japan is called According to Jimu. Well, it's I have hundreds of, you know, an, anime figures on my shelves. Some are action poses. Um, some are... Very kawaii, maybe even a little bit of moe. And a lot of them might be maids, they might be warriors, they might be Are any girls. of them sondere? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely none of them are male characters. Except for maybe right. a few that are in mech suits, which I think are just badass. Right. But um, normally, I, I mean, I, the point of those figures are for me to jerk off to them. Right. Now, one thing that I've been hoping to see an anime is that mechs typically have male bodies and there are a few mechs on on the gun retard and they are usually just you know created by nerd scientists like mark zuckerberg in order to attack japan because everyone's jealous of japan right is the you know that's the overarching motivation of mark zuckerberg because he's sitting in what is now silicon fortress in the radiated states of america so you can guess what happened to it. They renamed it because it got radiated by nuclear energy. And Silicon Valley gets turned into this big fortress that produces mechs and toxic sludge monsters to go attack Japan. Um, you know, the episode with the uh, uh, at the culmination of season 22, where Zuckerberg finally completes his trash bridge to Japan so he can march all those mechs straight over instead of going through Alaska. Right. You know... That kind of uh, explains a lot of my personal issues with East versus West. Um, the land of the rising sun versus the home of the Whopper. You have a world pulling me apart. And the vileness of the American Midwest and my father Ichiro, that hillbilly, and the simple elegance of Nippon, of Tokyo. Those beautiful he, cherry blossom trees. Beautiful cherry blossom trees. The history of the Ronin and the Samurai and the Ninja and Mitsubishi. That beautiful well, tradition of Japan that they never did anything wrong. We didn't do anything to the Chinese. We didn't do anything wrong in World War II. We didn't have any, like, you know scientific camps that experimented on people. We didn't, you know, steal women and, you know, make them comfort girls. 
you know, Japan just has this rich, beautiful history. And I think there are so many otaku in the West because they realize that what America lacks, Japan has got it all. Well, where the samurai left off with the Bushido code, the gamers picked up worldwide. Gamers are the new samurai. And it's, there's no true. there is no coincidence that the fans of otaku culture are also big gamers because there's a code of honor and respect that flows between them. Now, I don't, I don't want to um, go on this the whole time, but I'd like to maybe circle back to the mech suits again. You're talking there in the anime, uh, Mark Zuckerberg creates these mechs and the ones that he create are evil, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at guys in Silicon Valley. I'm looking at guys like Elon Musk. When are we going to get these? When am I going to be able to buy a mech suit? When am I going to be able to just stride into a party uh, wearing my mech suit, even though your girlfriend told you not to wear it at all costs, and you still show up wearing that mech suit? It's just badass. And you worked I, hard on it. I want to be able to. I want to be able to show it off. I want to be able to drink my um, Blue Moon. While I'm wearing my mech suit, I want to be able to have sex while I'm wearing my mech suit. I spent who doesn't? I spent about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars on it of my money. <laughs> so why can I not? Why can't I show up to, you know, my sister's wedding wearing it? I'll put a bow tie on. I mean, as long it. as you. <laughs> I want as long a built-in toilet. Paint it white. I want a built-in toilet. Right. I want to be able to With shit the hose that of comes suit. out the foot. Yeah, the hose comes out the foot. And you can just go to the bathroom and lift your foot up. I want up. a straw that descends, and I am able to drink my soda while I'm driving my mech suit, and I'm just fucking blasting people, and I'm going over to, to the Middle East, and I'm I'm volunteering with the Kurdish militias and fighting ISIS. I'm going, bam, bam, and I'm shooting fucking missiles on my wrist, and I'm fucking stomping on these fucking dirty scumbags. And that's, that's, just, that's just something I think about a lot. $650,000, you know, I feel like if you spend that kind of money, hey, you deserve it. You can do whatever you want. I think if Bashar al-Assad had a mech suit, we wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff. I agree. And, you know, I've gotten in hot water for my anime being very pro-Assad. Um, the, the, you know, the, the anime depiction of Assad as the hero helping the gun retard fight nerds was very unpopular. You see him all over the news on the show, um, waving, and his eyes look like they're closed as he waves and has a big grin. And they call him Asad-sama. And he is, right. you know, beloved. Sensei Asad. He, he's beloved by the Japanese people for his stand and every, against the dirty rebels. And everyone gets mad at me for doing it, but I say, it's just a cartoon. And they get mad at me, and I say anime is just cartoons. It's just a cartoon. It's a very, it's a very brave stance, and I appreciate it. I agree with you myself, so I'm biased. But these people, you know, they're just losers. Hey, give 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 Assad a chance. Now the other guys had their shot. Give Assad their chance. Well, before him, his father ruled for thirty years, so it runs. I know. They know what so they're doing. now it was his turn. Now they know they know what they're doing in his family. He's not called the lion for no reason. Uh, right. Moving along, um, so we're going into the 28th season of The Gun Retard. What can we expect? What can we, you know, what is coming? I know you don't want to tell everything to those fans, but we're going crazy. Um, it's going to be premiering on Netflix uh, in two weeks on September 13th. And what is the gang September up to September 11th. Time? Oh, is it? September 11th. Well, September 13th. September uh, it'll be September 13th in you know, here in Japan. I'm speaking for our North American fans and listeners. Ah. Uh, Hi. Oh. Hi. oh. So, our, um, here's, here's kind of the breakdown of this season's arc. As we all know, last season, um, Bugbear um, got initiated as a formal gunslinger, right? Against his wishes. Rochu... Um, uh, spoiler fed, alert, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Rochu fed him beer until he fell asleep. And then when he fell asleep, he kept pinching his nose and pu pouring more beer in his mouth. And um, 
he was able to do this because Hamiko thought that maybe if he had a drink, he'd loosen his inhibitions a little bit and want to finally make use of those uh, cartoonishly, absurdly large breasts. Um, it did not work. And while he was asleep, he was picked up by Satoshi, who made him do groggily the Gunslinger's Pledge, which, as we know now, um, means that Bugbear will never be able to become a salary man. And this is greatly distressing for him. So you're going to see a lot of change this season because he now knows his dream of becoming a rank-and-file, hard-working businessman will never happen. So does he commit to the Gunslinger's Code? Does he not? Does he get confidence? Is he going to... Uh, and, and I'm not going to spoil this, but I will give you a nice little tidbit here. Uh, he is going to kiss either Hamiku or Komoki. So he's either going to kiss the angry, sassy girl that's been trying to pursue him for years, or he's going to kiss the standoffish, cold, blue cyborg woman or girl. I guess it's, I don't know what the age of when an android. Well, I guess we'll have to watch and see what happens. Um, I, it's almost like him becoming a gunslinger and realizing he wants to kiss uh, one of these girls is almost like a metaphor for him learning how to jerk off. Right. He still hasn't figured it out. And the second he figures out how to jerk off, the series over. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen Because, as we soon. all know, whenever... Uh, I know I planned that from the beginning, that, you know, this series had to end with that 13-year-old orc jerking off. I just knew it. Because, as we all know about teenage boys... Or teenage orcs. Once they jerk off... Yeah, teenage boys, orcs, orc boys. Once they jerk off, they don't have any more problems. They just do it all the time. They're just jerk-off guys. And he still hasn't figured it out, and he's been Googling and looking and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm going to take some inspiration from... Uh, I'm going to do a shout-out, and I know this is what uh, who Teen Orc has a crush on, and I believe that me and you discussed this before the show, of who the most beautiful woman in anime is. Oh, yes. And I think we should say it on the count of three. All right, you want to count it down? One. Yeah, I'll count it down. One, two, three. Marge, Marge Simpson. Simpson. Yep. Beautiful. Oh, the hottest girl in anime. She was the first. Everyone, the first The first blue hair. First blue hair. Absolutely. Stolen almost immediately. Now, when you first saw her in the 19, um, what was it, 19 and... The early Simpsons, yeah. Yes. Um, I know for me, I was about um, I was about 10 years old, um, living in my room that I still live in, uh, in Japan. And I remember seeing that, and I'm just I'm like, what is this? Can they put this on TV? Well, I when I first saw Marge Simpson, I said out loud, I stood up in my living room next to my father, Ichiro, and my mother, a Jennifer. And I said, well, I guess I'm not asexual. And then they said, what's asexual? And then it was 1990, so I don't even think that was a thing yet. But I knew it. And that's why you see, um, I mean, Marge Simpson is essentially the Betty Boop of Japan. Essentially, yes. Or Marilyn Monroe, even because right. in Japan, cartoons are better than real women, and they're hotter and sexier, and everyone wants everyone wants Marge Simpson. Right, and you know if you go on the subway and you try talking to a, a real woman in Japan, they're terrified. You know, they're not nice. They don't. They want to know why you're only wearing a dashiki and no pants. And when you lift your arms up, uh, everyone can see your nuts. But not your dick. <laughs> they want to know that. And I'm just like, I don't have an answer for you. Why aren't you more like Hamiko? Why aren't you more like Komi? The Wendy's girl. Why aren't you more like the Wendy's girl, my body pillow? And at that point, the police are already on their way because they know my reputation. But that's well, why I'm asexual because I keep trying to have sex with women and they won't let me. Uh, well, it sounds like to me you're more of a. Uh voluntarily uh involuntarily celibate but um. you cannot tell me what i am well 
Um, I think that about wraps this one up. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about today, Mr. Um, Kusoyama? I'd just like to thank all of my fans in Japan, in America, and only those places. All right. Well, um, this has been excellent. Thank you for so much for coming on the show, um, talking about my favorite anime of all time, the gun retard, aka the gun slut, or what was the other one? The gun dipshit. Uh, right. I would like to thank you so it's much. It's not offensive, Mister. I want everyone to know it's not offensive. So stop emailing me. No, it's me. not offensive. It's perfectly fine, and they don't understand the um, translation or Japanese like we do. So, Mister Chinko Kusoyama, thank you so much. Arigato, as you say, and we're bowing to each Andrew? other over and over again right now. I'm bowing to you. I'm bowing I'm back. Bowing. Thank you so much. Always be the Thank last you. one to bow. Yes, sir. I am Andrew Hadosan, and this has been the first episode of the Ramen Baka. Das Vidanya. <laughs> 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 <laughs>